All right, we are back. Welcome What's to up, the video version of Empires of the Future. We're, we're live now. We're public. We're we're not. Not. Well, no, I'm talking about like we're we have oh yeah access. People can listen to us. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I meant to say. Yeah. We're on Apple. We're on Apple iTunes. Yeah, you listen to one episode. That's right. So, so hopefully by the end of the day, people will have three. That's right. Yeah, so so the idea is we got one episode to get our name out there and to get this thing started, yeah. and then on the second week, releasing two, yeah. uh, just to create a little bit of interest, hopefully, yeah. uh, and then get started here. Uh, my name is Jackson Van Dyke, and this is my friend Matt Castro, and we want to talk to you all today about a few interesting things. We want to talk uh, about Super Tuesday, yeah. talk about... Uh, Big ideas uh, behind this very uh, engaging, very uh, important event yeah. uh, being exciting. capitalism. Yeah. Right. And to those who are yeah. of a more political science persuasion, yeah. uh, exciting. Yeah. Uh, I would say America has probably one of the more exciting like election seasons because it's so dramatic and so uh, and yeah, it's all the, all these different networks, all these debates. And, yeah. And these different candidates talking about each other and belittling one another. It's pretty entertaining. And then, uh, so behind that, we're talking about capitalism, health care, and ultimately power. Uh, You know, that is what is happening in American electorate, American electoral politics, as well as obviously uh, other politics. But power is front and center Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways. And so Mm -hmm. we want to talk about that. And then secondly, we also want to talk about uh, coronavirus, uh, but but with a focus on fear, on the issue yeah. of fear yeah. and and the Christian life, uh, how we deal with fears, yeah. and uh, so I'm looking forward to that uh, very much. So let me start here, uh, summarize the outcomes of Super Tuesday, Matt. For yeah. those of us who are yeah. uh, the, the the bird's eye view yeah, sure. about this. Yeah. So uh, if you were if you went to bed early on Tuesday. Of this this week, uh, Super Tuesday is really the biggest primary day. There was, um, I believe, there was fourteen states that had their primary or caucus on Tuesday, all the, on the same day, and um, it's pretty. I mean, it's kind of exciting because it, it's actually the way that I was thinking about it last night. I was talking to my wife about it on Tuesday, but this is really for most people. This for their state. This is their opportunity to. Have power because if you like live, if, for example, if you live in California, you're voting. Your your state's gonna be Democrat, and you're gonna vote whoever the Democratic nominee. That state, that state's going to that that is gonna win those electoral votes, and so this is their opportunity to actually choose an actual candidate that potentially you know will actually become president. Because like once it gets down to the actual general election. Most states vote the same as they voted the week before. Right? Indiana will be red, right? I mean, it doesn't really particularly matter who the candidate is. Most likely, it's going to be red. Or Kentucky, this time. And so, we are in Indiana, by the way. Yeah, we are in Indiana. You don't know that. Yeah. Um, not in Tennessee or Kentucky. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I think it's uh, pretty exciting. The primaries are, and um, the Texas race was really close. Uh, I think when I was when I was watching CNN, um, most. Believe that Bernie Sanders was going to win Texas, which is a pretty, it's a big state, obviously, but it's also a lot of delegates are won. I think it's almost over 200 delegates 
uh, are awarded on that particular that particular primary. So it was a big prize, and Biden ended up winning the state. So it was a big deal. Biden ended up winning ten of the fourteen states, which was a big shocker. Um, he won Minnesota, which just to present a little context, Bernie Sanders beat Hillary Clinton in the twenty sixteen primary in Minnesota, and Bernie and Biden didn't even campaign there. Never went there once. Um, and was able to win the state, mostly because Amy Klobuchar dropped out of the race and endorsed Joe Biden. But it's it crazy. Uh, Bernie Sanders won that state when he was a candidate in 2016 and beat Hillary Clinton and then lost uh, to Biden. And then, uh, well, I thought it was a big shocker, Biden won Massachusetts. Yes. There, yeah, so there's just a lot of it. I mean, he won the southern states, which made sense. But, well, uh, and even uh, one fascinating element about this story to me uh, and, I, and I don't want to jump in on you. No, I'm looking forward to your summary. Yeah, sure. But I, I continually wonder, as we get further and further along in this process of the democratic, uh, the word escapes me, the, the democratic primary, yeah, uh, people like me who are not that into politics don't care about the primary for a long time. Yeah, sure. And even what is strange, and I, and I, and I would be willing to bet strange for anyone working in the campaign of these people who live this yeah. is they want and it's they want democratic voters to get interested in this very quickly yeah. but you just can't manage the, the further away this is yeah, you can't get those people engaged and so I, a part of the story is that you know look the democratic establishment a lot of those people who are voters didn't care too much right. until something like Super Tuesday. Yeah, yeah, sure. And, and, and I think, like, you know, there's so much buildup with debates and things. Like, uh, I believe, like, in the last few weeks, there was, like, a, there was a debate in Nevada, their primary. Then, like, a week later, there was a, prim- there was a debate for South Carolina for their primary. So there's, like, all these debates, and, of course, you know, everyone's talking about who said what and what was heard. And for, and for you know, what was interesting about Super Tuesday was this was Mike Bloomberg's. Michael Bloomberg, who is the former mayor of New York City. He's, a, uh, he's actually richer than Trump. I believe he's worth $54 billion, kind of a tech company that he created back in the day. Um, and was kind of, uh, what was so interesting about Michael Bloomberg, he kind of put all of his chips, I mean, Five hundred million dollars of his chips right. into winning some of these Super Tuesday states. Like he didn't even campaign in the early states, like New Hampshire and Iowa. He put all of his chips into these states, and he didn't win one. I think he won American Samoa, the territory. That's the only thing he won. Yeah. <laughs> all that money bought him uh, a territory, not a state. Um, and so, um, so yeah, uh, it, that was interesting. Of course, he dropped out, I believe, to today or yesterday. And, and endorse Joe Biden. So um, I think at the end of the day, I think I have the, I wrote these things down, um, um, that uh, Biden has 556 delegates and uh, Sanders has 501. So it's still really close. Yes. Um, and the way that it works is delegates are not, are not awarded by, it's not winner take all. They're, they're proportionally given out based off it's a very complicated formula. Basically, you um, you can actually lose the particular primary, but if you did well in a lot of the different districts, you actually may end up winning more delegates. At the end. It's a complicated formula, which probably most Americans 
don't get. They're kind of assuming it's, oh, he won the state, he must have won all the delegates, and that's actually not what happens. Um, so for the Democrats, uh, or for this particular race, um, they're still kind of neck and neck, but, you know, being a betting, if I was a betting person, that's going to be difficult for Bernie to win. Well, uh, and, and I, I've heard that. Now, to round it out, you've talked about Bernie Sanders and Joe Biden, and you've talked about Amy Klobuchar, you've talked about Michael Bloomberg. Yeah. Uh, this was a big loss for Elizabeth Warren as well. Oh, right. Was she lost? She had third place in her home state. <laughs> Not good. Uh, yeah, Elizabeth Warren is a senator, senator of Massachusetts, and was and actually received. Yeah, I don't remember how much percentage, like a little over twenty percent, right? Percentage that she won. Uh, I think Biden at thirty-three or so percent of the vote, and so that had to have been a shock for her in her campaign. Right. Um, which, you know, this has always been kind of an interesting discussion uh, along with this race is her and Bernie agree on so many things, they almost kind of like split the vote against each other. So maybe if she wasn't running, if just her running against Biden, she probably would have won potentially. But um, actually, you know, I would never vote from a Republican and don't agree with a lot of things. But I think she's a, she was probably the best debater of all the different candidates. She yeah. seems uh, very engaging. Um, it is interesting for the, you know, you would think that in this particular adventure, time of, you know, of, of kind of uh, the Democratic Party, that a woman would be prominent. I know Hillary, like, she won the nomination in 2016, but you know, she's been around for a long time. But it seemed like someone like Elizabeth Warren could potentially have won this. And she has only, I think she's only won one, one delegate. That's a big surprise. To me. some degree, uh, while, while we're on it, it's just. Hey, what what a way we're showing our cards today. Uh, so I'm an I'm an independent political, oh, yeah. uh, and uh, that's just why we're really Bernie Sanders, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I actually independent, by the way. Yes, he is. Not, he is not a Democrat in, in Congress. Uh, to round it out, uh, Pete Buttigieg has resigned. Uh, he dropped out. Yeah, he dropped out of the race, and he did endorse Joe Biden he as well. Did. Is that right? He did. Uh, Elizabeth Warren has not endorsed anyone. He has dropped out. Yet. She hasn't dropped out. She hasn't dropped out. Yet. Right. Okay. Uh, Tom Steyer has dropped out, yeah. dropped out, but has he endorsed, I believe, Joe Biden. Joe Biden. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I mean, for where we are at this moment, I mean, think about a week ago, Joe Biden yeah, pretty much was, basically, we don't know if anybody wants to vote for you. He was running out of money. <laughs> right. He was literally running out of money. Um, and did, you know, did, but the, here's the thing, though, like, people were saying that, but you know, I was thinking the whole time, I'm like, yeah, but Joe's got South Carolina. I mean, in the South, if you don't know much about Democratic demographics. South Carolina is actually a majority of Democratic voters in South Carolina are African Americans. Yeah. And that is the one demographic of people that Bernie uh, and Pete Buttigieg struggled to uh, attract. And it proved to be true. Most of the South, which is most Southern Democrats are African American, they voted for Joe Biden, not for Bernie Sanders. Um, and so um, that wasn't a huge surprise uh, that you know he won South Carolina by like so many percentage, but um, it it just shows you that um, you know I don't think America is particularly ready for a European socialist democracy. Well, and there there are a lot of ways to uh, consider what we have seen mm -hmm. uh, in the Democratic primary. Um, and so that's a that's a, a next question I want to ask is uh, to what degree do you think this is sort of a referendum on capitalism? Yeah. Um, I listened to, for instance, uh, the podcast that the New York Times uh, puts out 
called the argument. Oh, yeah. And so uh, Michelle Goldberg, one of their uh, three representatives on this podcast, her husband actually, she had to she had to disclose this every time they talked about politics on the pod- yeah. podcast. Her husband worked for the Elizabeth Warren campaign. Oh, wow. Um, and so I've listened to their discussions uh, pretty consistently about this. Um, and it's, it's very strange because one thing that I will say, in an even more pointed question, uh, is my understanding, on the Republican side, there is no referendum on capitalism. Uh, but on, so. on the Democratic <laughs> side, there is a real referendum yeah. on capitalism going on. Right? Yeah. Yeah. But how are people like me who are not as in politics as you are? What, what do you think about that? Uh, I mean, because here's the thing. Um, economics mm-hmm. is not something the average American. I'm, I'm from a sure. very blue-collar town. Right, right, sure. People don't think too much about economics. Yeah. They think about the economics of their household, how they're living paycheck to paycheck, and they would like more money. Yeah. So what, what do you yeah, say about that? Well, I think the, you know, that's the... What's an interesting argument that maybe, especially Bernie Sanders is making, that the American economic system, the American capitalistic system, is unfair. Um, and that he would argue a large percentage of the population of, of, the, of American society are at a disadvantage. Yeah. Um, and that it favors the top 1%, yeah. and money needs to be redistributed. I mean, it's a pretty, like, he's... He's not shying away from this idea that the top 100% should be taxed more to help um, provide services and programs for the for the rest, mostly the the more poor people of the country, which it should be kind of fleshed out in universal health care, uh, universal college education, um, and things like these. Um, and so I think though the I think. What most Americans, though, like you're talking about where you kind of grew up, you know, the kind of the, the checklist of, you know, is the American system fair to me? Is Do I have a job? Check. Can I pay my bills? Check. Um, do, my, um, do, my, do my kids have an opportunity to go to college? And can we somehow afford it or somehow provide a way for our, for our kids to live a better life than we can? Right? That's kind of the American dream. And I think most Americans think our system kind of checks those in the boxes, right? Sure, they wish they had more money in their pocket. Sure, they wish they could afford maybe a bigger home or maybe they could afford, a, a, you know, going on that, that dream vacation or whatever like that. But for, for most people, I think the, the American system kind of checks some of those boxes. And so... I mean, I will I'll push back there just in that I would say one to most Republican Americans would say... Sure. I think I could check my boxes to a degree. Um, to uh, I I would guess that the average Democrat uh, person who is a Democrat, whether that is a strong, sure. strongly committed Democrat or else, uh, would probably disagree with that. It's because of the next place we're going, which yeah. is I think healthcare is sure. the biggest area where people have a a fair. Argument sure. that we are in a bad spot. Well, but they don't think the solution is universal universal healthcare. That, 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 that is an issue. That's And I think Bernie is arguing, Senator Sanders arguing, and so is Elizabeth Warren that we should have universal healthcare. And Joe Biden and Pete Buttigieg just saying the opposite, saying 
we should the government should provide a healthcare system. However, we should still have private healthcare systems. Yeah. And I think what you're seeing with Super Tuesday is people rejecting this idea of taking away private insurance systems, even if they could have complaints about their private insurance, even if they wish it wish it was better. That they like the idea that they can choose the option of having an, an you know health insurance through their employment, whatever it is. And also having a government system on the side that they're able to utilize if they, if they needed it, not something that's going to eat up, yeah. you know, all of private health care. And, and I think we, and I think the argument that, and I think going back to what I was saying is Bernie's making the argument, though, that the economy is not good, but the economy is, uh, you know, employment has, unemployment has never been lower, right? Um, and so I, I've heard stories that there's jobs that are available, but yet people, there's not even people, like, taking jobs. So it's, an art, it's a hard argument, I think, that Bernie's making that the economy is bad and, and we need to change when unemployment's so low. And, like that. and so there's all these different factors. So it's hard to know what is the real pulse. You know, where, even you're right. I mean, some Democrats or some voters in America may disagree, but even there, it depends. Like, if, yeah, if they're in, if they're in like South Philadelphia or in Southside Chicago, some of these urban, type, yeah, I, I think probably you'll you'll get there. Like, I don't know. I think, you know, I don't. I, I'm having a hard time paying my bills. I'm hard, and, you know, these type of things. But even some Democratic voters in some of like the Midwest or even part of other parts of the country may go, yeah, I don't like Trump, and I, I do think we should have some healthcare system for the poor. But I mean, I don't know if we should go all completely socialistic or, or try to throw out the throw out the system completely. You know, and that is one thing about this election that uh, a story that has to be that has to be will have to be remembered, I think, for the future that. I have not heard socialism as a talking point, yeah. especially practically. Yeah. Yes, everybody knows socialism yeah. has existed, yeah. but in America, that is, this is the first election that yeah. I can remember this being even a even a blip on a radar. Yeah. And, and oh, sure, yeah. the name of Bernie Sanders oh, yeah. is the bigger issue. Right. Bernie is this interesting phenomenon. Yeah. This guy who is so yeah. his personality is yeah. just a very sort of stodgy yeah but the it's interesting that larry davis plays him on larry david, yeah oh I mean, yeah, yeah. Is, the george costanza the curvy right. enthusiasm like he just kind of fits the bernie sanders right. you know if you've ever seen him in snl clips of him doing bernie sanders they're, they're great right yeah they're great so so many questions uh could come at this point but I am fascinated, one, that electoral politics for all of the machinery is still incredibly unpredictable. Yeah. The Democratic Party and the Republican Party, we watched this four years ago with the rise of Donald Trump, oh, yeah. and now we are watching with the Democratic Party. That there, is, there are millions of dollars spent to try to predict mm -hmm. what the American oh, yeah. people will do, yeah. and it's still incredibly difficult. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there are, I very much, uh, I, I do believe that there are some very difficult issues at present and coming because my sense of what has happened, even in just to talking in terms of healthcare, mm -hmm. is that all I have seen for, say, the last 
eight, 10 years in terms of, yes, we need to do something about healthcare is that there have been efforts and it's almost just like stockpiles have been gathered for the war between everything from big pharmacy mm -hmm. to insurance companies mm -hmm. so that all that has happened is it has escalated. As we've talked a lot about how uh, the Democratic Party and the Republican Party have gotten farther apart, I do think at the same time, the escalation that nobody's paid as much attention to that has risen is private versus public yeah. in terms of yeah. insurance yeah. and government taking care of people yeah. and who has lost the most, in my opinion, the consumer, the American, yeah. the average American person who has to go to yeah. the emergency room yeah. is paying more. Oh, yeah. and, and, and there is one thing to be said immediately, which is, Okay, but look, you have a lot of professional people, your wife being one yeah, of them. My, my wife is a nurse practitioner at the hospital here in Evansville, And if you want those people to look after you, yeah. those people went through a lot yeah. of yeah. training yeah. and paid a lot of money themselves yeah. for, yes, they have a good job. And they should, they should have a good job for yeah. the amount of yeah. health is a very fundamental and important and yeah. life element. And it, it's not, you know, what's about health, it's a... It's, it's a business right. sector, and hospitals are trying to make money because it's a, you know, I, I don't know for any Evansville listeners, Deaconess, I believe, is the number one employer in the city. Okay. Um, it's one of the biggest employers in the city, and a lot of people work there, um, and, uh, and the other thing, it costs a lot of money, the, 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 the equipment that is used. Uh, it's, it's very expensive to run and to operate and all these different things. And, but, you know, I read an article a while back that one of the issues that we're not hearing a lot amongst politicians when they talk about healthcare, and honestly, I'm not an expert. It's a very complicated matter. I don't, I don't even think a lot of doctors and nurses oh, sure. understand the complexities of the healthcare system. Because you know, to them, it's not a business too much. They took a Hippocratic oath to care yeah, for people. Oh, yeah, That's uh, really most, where most doctors are. Yeah, I, I, really, I, I think you're right. And, 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 my, you know, and if you talk to any uh, health profession who does, you know, health, who cares for patients, there are some patients that they don't make any money off of, right? And there's bills that aren't paid, and um, Medicaid and Medicare don't pay as much as it will cover. And so there's a lot of complexities to the issue. But one of the things that I, I you never hear politicians talk about costs. They mostly just talk about coverage. Yeah. Um, and the issue is, is like, we're spending so much time talking about how do we cover everyone? Why don't we talk about how do we bring prices down? You know, and I think that that's just not talked about um, very often. And I, I get, I get the, the again the, the desire to, you know, the the, the statement, hey, I want to, I'm going to make the promise that we're going to, everyone's going to be covered, everyone's going to have healthcare. That sounds great on a on a, on a political slogan, but then when it gets down into the real monies and, and dollars and how much people are paying and what's coming out of their paycheck and all these different things. Like, it's expensive, you know, and even if you're covered, you're still paying a bunch of money for it, and, and how do we bring costs down? How do we separate healthcare from employment? Like, that was something that was started way back when, and I don't think it's probably helpful anymore because people work different jobs now than they used to in the past, or, you know, if you grew up, if you, you know, started working for a company uh, right out of high school or maybe out of college, you're probably going to stay in that company your whole life, most likely. And it makes sense for the company to give you health insurance. Right. Most people don't work for the same company their whole life. They go from job to job. 
And it seems like if we can take that away from an employment benefit, maybe I don't know. I'm not I'm not an expert on this stuff, but it is a major issue, which is interesting with the coronavirus. Yes. With healthcare being like a political issue, with the coronavirus being such a big issue, it's an interesting kind of combination going together here. Yes, and you have what, ten more minutes, by the way. Uh, I probably have a good twenty minutes. Oh great. Okay. I might already look like good score on the corner. So, one element of this, and, and something that has to be said, and, and the, is that the family continues to struggle, and I only bring this in to tie up our previous uh, discussion because, I, being in a church, I've been in multi-generational churches yeah. my whole ministry, yeah. and seeing what you deal with, especially for end-of-life issues, for people who have long-term disability, mm -hmm. these are some of the issues that are very costly. Yeah. And because of Medicare and Medicaid and a lot of these big government programs, you end up with some hard realities that, that you have to mention in this discussion, which is to take care of someone who is badly and and dying and or dying is extremely costly yeah. with no end in sight right and that cost is impossible to absorb right and these are there are some complicated issues here um, that 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 unfortunately in terms of politics are very unpopular to talk about yeah and and an encouragement to our listeners to all of us personally is to go one, the primary person who is supposed to be taking care of the people in their family is, it, it goes back to the theology that we believe about the family. Yeah. God ordained the family, mm -hmm. that fathers are hugely important in leading their family, mm -hmm. all the way up to grandfathers in leading their whole household sure. and in, in doing their best to encourage their, their people. Yes, the government has a role in all of this, sure. and there are discussions that should be had, but if you choose to put a family member in a nursing home, well, that's a choice that you made, and right. we cannot abdicate our choices right. and then go, oh, by the way, that costs too much. It's like, well, if you choose to do it, right. I know that there are difficulties and right. that you often feel like you have to do those kind of things. Right. But um, having been through some of this with my grandfather, yeah. talking it through with my mother and, her, and my aunts, her sisters about this, Families are making these decisions, and it's yeah. all tied in together. Um, so we do. We, this is all literally yeah. under under the um, under the umbrella of prayer for yeah, every day absolutely. as we make decisions about our health. Yeah. I personally don't go to the doctor that often. Yeah, neither. Yes, I, I I know I. It's a luxury to not go to the doctor to a degree, yeah, sure. but also it's incumbent upon us as human beings to take care of ourselves, yeah, absolutely. to try to be healthy, yeah. to work, to have an exercise regimen, to eat yeah. appropriately, and frankly, a lot of things that Americans don't do a whole lot of right. preparation right. Uh, right. and effort towards. So let's, uh, well, I'm yeah. sure we'll come back to this in the future, but let us move to the coronavirus. Yeah. And how do you summarize this one, Matt? Um, well, it's really more personal. My parents, uh, currently live in Singapore. Uh, if you don't know what it is, it's a you know kind of a on the, it's a city state on the kind of the tip of a peninsula, kind of surrounded by Malaysia, very close to Indonesia and Thailand, also close to China. Right. And a lot of Chinese um, Chinese uh, nationals come into the city and work, and a lot of their families live in Singapore. And they just had the Chinese New Year. That's that's a major time where Chinese. 
um, citizens go back home, you know, and so there's a lot of traveling going into China, out of China, uh, right now with the virus coming out of China and kind of spreading around the world, it's caused a lot of harm. My parents actually left Singapore early parts of uh, January, well, actually, like, early part of February, mm-hmm. and it's like, we're just going to leave for a little bit, let this thing kind of run its course and come back, and, uh, and so, yeah, they've been in the States for over a month. Wow. Yeah. Where are they? Yeah. Well, they were here when my son was born, te- uh, Theodore, and then they went out to Oklahoma City to go to my nephews. Right. So that was a couple weeks ago when they were in town, yeah, right. and then now they're yeah. in Oklahoma. All yeah. right. So they're kind of doing some tours, but eventually they're going to go back. Yeah. But, uh, and hopefully, uh, you know, it seems like the virus may be kind of getting towards the end of its, of its, of its cycle or life, but who knows. Right, and uh, the last I heard uh, this morning about some good news is yeah. that uh, this is not a virus that can live uh, above a certain temperature. It's been it's been in the 60s yeah. where we are, yeah. and uh, so that if we could get an early spring, it would make a big difference. Good spring, yeah. Um, um, or weather. Right, right. help people. Yeah, um... Yeah, and I'm, I'm, I'm kind of somewhat read some things and tracked it. I, I guess I heard that 11 people have passed away from the coronavirus. Uh, there was an article uh, in the part of February talking about fear. Are you talking about in the United States? The 11 yeah, 11 people in the United States. I, I think maybe it was over 300 in Italy. Yeah, really, Italy got hit hard. Now, I didn't think that the Italian government did wrong. Yeah. It's just kind of like, you know, it just kind of happened. You know, um, we're kind of hit Italy because, I mean, a lot of people go to Italy to travel. It's a beautiful country, a lot of places to have a sight to see, and so it's not too surprising that a city, a country like Italy, maybe gotten hit pretty hard by this, but, um, but yeah, 11 people in the United States have died, in Seattle, it's been really bad, um, the West Coast. We, I heard today that um, my my in-laws live in Nashville, which got hit by a tornado recently this week, which was horrible, um, but they had a case in Nashville, um, so a little bit closer to, to Evansville. Um, but uh, yeah, I, it, you know, I don't, I don't know a ton about. But I think the, the issue that I've been kind of thinking about is the hysteria of it all. Like that thing, that's the bigger thing that I caught. Not to belittle or, or or even like say that the death of eleven people is not a significant thing. It is a tragedy. Um, but I think maybe the hysteria. Like I've heard that like. It's, it's almost impossible to buy, like, masks, you know, right now, like, at Walmart or store. Yeah, it's going to be sold out. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's hard to get, like, um, hand sanitizer. Mm-hmm. People are just buying it by the by the, the carts. Um, just out of fear. This right. fear of something. But And I think it's such an unknown. Like, it's something, like, how do you protect yourself? So even though it's been pretty much stated that a mask isn't going to help you get not sick, it only helps you if you are sick. Do not spread it. Do not spread it. So it's like people are trying to cover themselves and protect themselves when it's not even going to work, right? Um, and so, and I think I read this last year, 74,000 people died of the flu last year. Yes. And, and, and so, um, yes. And so that's, that, you know, people aren't freaking out about the common flu every year, but yet this particular thing, I don't know because it's foreign born. I don't know what it is. Yeah. So, it, so it's new. Yeah, it's new. It's got a, it's got a well, it's your name. It does have your name in it. Yeah. Um, being a new virus, uh, I think that the issue there's a question of how quickly will it spread? Yeah. What 
to what degree sure. is it uh, dangerous to what kinds of people because I think people do a lot of a lot of um, I heard some complaint by a professional about this the other day that people need to understand it's for people with already compromised immune systems that die from this and while that's been true of coronavirus in general just like every virus right um, it, it also has uh, this is the issue about it is that uh, well for instance, uh, my pastor mentioned this morning that one case was unique because it was a person that had uh, a kidney issue so that this person didn't necessarily have a compromised immune system from a standpoint of they're older and they're, you know, they, you know, it can sometimes be said in a callous way, well, that person was near death anyway. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. No, that's not been necessarily true about sure. some of these people who have died of the coronavirus. Yeah. And, and one thing that's very odd, let me just say about germs in general, is that <laughs> it's often said, you'll hear this, well, people in that time didn't even know about germs or viruses. And the funny default for the average person today is, oh, we know about germs and viruses. What does the average person know? They're there. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty much it. That's, That's it. it. Don't, Don't share them. them. Right. Okay. <laughs> and then and then you have this whole range yeah. of people who I know people who don't really wash their, wash their hands. Yeah. And and not I mean like people who don't really shower every three or four days is their kind of right. thing. And and they're just so not they're sick. More sick. sick aren't they? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. and, and so you have that range all the way to your germaphobes and people who don't want to shake hands ever and worry about I mean, you and I both have young children, so there are people who won't take their children anywhere because right. my kids will be exposed yeah. to, to germs and, and, and we're things. Like, our family's definitely, definitely not like that. that. We're, we're just, just like, like I, I, one, one of the things, things I've kind of chuckled at is like, and, this, and again, this is just, just kind of like, we none of us know, like, none of us know, know, like, kind of how germs work. It's like, you keep your hands washed. You know, take a shower, clean yourself. That's basically all you can do, right? I mean, you still have to interact with people. Um, but I am interesting, like, the reaction of a lot of companies and schools, like canceling school, or I heard, I heard Twitter, like, told all their employees to stay home. I just, I, I just find this sense of, like, it's over, it's over, over, it's over response to out of fear of, I don't want to catch it, so let's just not be in contact with anybody. Um, and, and it's interesting, like, you know, kids get the flu, and they don't even go to school in their home school. It's the flu, right? Yeah. I mean, you can't, right. you, you can't, can't control it. You can't control it. You can't keep your kids safe from every germ and sickness. Yes. They're going to interact with something, a toy or something, and they're going to get sick. Um, and in a sense, if you hold them away from it, their immune system is more weaker, right? right? And so there's just a sense where fear is probably the biggest danger here, right? Um, and, and yeah, take you know take precautions. Use use hand sanitizer. Wash your hands. Clean yourself. Um, do more than maybe you typically do in a flu season, which we're in. But what else can you do? Well, it, it, so. There is a big question in people's minds that I do understand, because there's a principle we were just about to run right into, sure. which is, one, if we are believers in Jesus Christ, we go, our lives are in God's hands. Absolutely. No matter what we think about any germ yeah. or any car wreck, yeah. or any, and, and, and that is a foundational yeah, fact. Absolutely. We all have questions about, well, yeah, but 
Does that mean when I'm driving my car, I can just hop in the back seat, put it on cruise control? No, it doesn't. Right. And yes, I realize yeah. that opens a whole other host of questions. Sure, sure. Um, but that is a foundational principle. Yeah. Yeah. And then the second thing, though, that I rarely hear um, discussed, and I've never, I've been in the church now 24 years, and I don't think I've heard a sermon beyond the mention of scriptures like God has not given us a spirit of fear right. or timidity, right. uh, but a spirit of power, love, and self-discipline. Right. Okay, what does that mean about my fears? Because fears are this fascinating thing. We all have fears. We all, I would hope at this point, have had some experience of trying to talk someone else out of their fears. Right. Fears are not rational. Right. We did not choose these fears. Right. I, for instance, have a fear about cutting off my finger or something with like a saw. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. that's, that's, which is, I have the same similar fear, but when a handsaw turns on, I'm like, oh my gosh. Yeah, power tools, yeah, uh, they that just, sort, yeah. I just kind of go, I would rather use yeah, I a, agree. a totally agree. manual saw. Yeah, um, totally agree. It, yeah, it, but it's deeper right. than just, look, yeah. we all fear cutting off a finger from the idea of it, but I know, I've thought about it, and I know for me there's a, there's elements, yes, of the pain, but even of the loss of some yeah. part of myself and, oh, yeah, and, sure. and deeper kinds of sure, sorts sure, of sure. things. And so fears are something that it is to be human. Right. I think that it is, it is empowering to trust certain people in your life, to know about what your fears are, right. to talk about them. Right. In a lot of ways, in a lot of ways, these sorts of things, coronavirus and uh, we need to talk about our fears inadequacies and we won't we don't choose to do it yeah and that's a big problem yeah, i think most i, think, I don't know maybe, i don't know if you agree with this it seems like most the american christians grow up in the church is a sense like we're not supposed to communicate fears because mm -hmm. it's like that's unchristian yes but then, but but then you have obvious fears, yeah. but you just don't, you just don't, you don't, you don't title them with fears, you don't label them as fears. Like moms who are afraid to take their kids anywhere because afraid they're going to get sick or whatever. Like that's a fear, right. that's a phobia. Right. Uh, you cannot control what happens to your kids, um, and, and it makes me think of uh, we were studying on campus this week of Mark thirteen. Jesus is talking kind of about the end times. And he basically says, like, you know, you can't stop this. It's going to happen. Right. The temple's going to be destroyed, um, and this stuff's going to happen. There's going to be famines. There's yeah. going to be wars. Um, there's nothing you can do to stop it. There's nothing. There's no solution to this. God's already, already ordained this. I'm Lord over this. And the only thing he tells them, he doesn't even tell He tells them somewhat, like, what to watch for. But even that, like, he's like, I don't even know. Angels don't even know what's going to happen. Only the Father knows, right? And he says, he kind of tells, just be on guard. Yeah. Don't be led astray. Yeah. Be prepared. Uh, when they throw you in front of synagogues to, to question you, I'll speak through you. The Holy Spirit will speak through you, right? He'll yeah. tell you what to say. Like, all these, like, ideas that you're like, I fear that, I fear that, I fear that. And Jesus is like, just be on guard. Endure. You can't stop it. It's going to happen. And, and I think, I was thinking about it. It's like, wow, that's so, like, comforting that I can't control what's going to happen. I can't control me getting this virus yeah. other than washing my hands and doing like simple things. And if it's God's will for me to get this, I think the only thing I have to do, or the only response for me is 
not be led astray, to endure through it, you know, to be on guard, to trust God through it. You know, like, that's all that we can do in the midst of fear, right? And, and, and I really believe the reason that both you and I can even in theory admit to that is not only because faith in God, yeah, yeah. Go but also it, 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 you cannot say enough about a walking in a church community, mm-hmm. people that care for you, oh, yeah. and that you would not bear that burden alone, right? which I really think is behind of it. When, when you say to me, people on the West Coast, really do want to shut down yeah. because of fear. I, 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 I hate that. My yeah. heart goes out because it's just yeah. like, yeah, I know what it is to be completely alone and to feel like you would just go, I could get really sick and nobody would care. Well, that's a horrible feeling. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, sure. That is a horrible feeling. And yeah. so um, I, I, I relate to, to, to that fear yeah. even. Um, but man, uh, there is an answer for mm. fears. And that is a, an amazing thing. That's yeah. incredible. And I think I think your I think your your statement there is perfect. I think in a world and this has been discussed and we can't go into this fully, but I think it's of some podcast show we should probably talk about it in more detail. And we have in some ways, but you know, community is an issue, right? It, we 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 have social media. We have these fake communities. They're not real. Right. They're not real. And, and it's interesting when God presents. I mean, this again, God's a lord over what's going on. When the, the virus like this is presented and people shut down and they're not, in a sense, they're not going out, they're not um, going, they're not, their kids aren't going to school, they're not going to work, and they're holding themselves back. It's like people need community badly, yes. badly. And, and I think the, 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 the world that we live in, the social media world, you, I was reading an article um, recently in Gospel Coalition about this. The idea of finding community, you find community, and the the, the author's like, yo, you build community, you don't find it. Because you should already have it. Like, you live in a particular city, you live in a particular community, you are a part of a community by nature, therefore build it, don't find it. And we, social media has created this world where you just go out and find your community. But by doing that, it's, there's so, there's so many options that you can almost bail on that community whenever you want. Um, and I think in situations like this, like when you got this virus, you're afraid, recognizing the built-in community around you, and especially if you're someone who's a part of a church or need to be part of a church because you're a Christian, yeah. like you're a part of the church. Right. You don't find it. You are a part of it. Go right. build it. Right. Never go, go, go to church right. and then, you know, be a part of those people. Um, and uh, I think that is like, hopefully maybe at the end of all of this, there's a point of reckon, like kind of, thinking and reflecting on that on that idea, yeah, that, that's the only hope. You know, so. Great. Well, uh, it's been a great discussion. I Thank you to all of you tuning in today to Empires of the Future. We will look next week to another discussion. Yeah. And I don't know if you want to say this at the end here, but we are hoping to post these episodes. If you can't, for to find us on Apple iTunes or you can go to one of our church's websites. I know we put it on ours. I don't know if they're going to be on Not that, so tell yeah. your church's website. Uh, EvansvilleChurch.com. Mm-hmm. Um, we also have a mobile app, uh, Redeemer Fellowship Church, at Apple, Apple Store, or Google Store, whatever you buy your, your, your app from. You can download the app. And there's a, there is a, a folder or an option right there where you can listen to this right through that app. Right, and uh, I should also mention that this is uh, going to be on my YouTube channel as well. So Jackson Van Dyke, uh, on YouTube, it is on there, so we already have quite a few ways you can connect with this. So, awesome.
All right, everyone, have a great day. Yeah, have a great day.